0: My offering in Yahushua's name. Amen. Amen. Alright, as before mentioned, we are continuing on through the book of Joshua. Now, Yah wants us to study this book from the individual perspective. Of Joshua being the son of Nun, that is the son resprouted, the born again son a man, in whom the Ruach Hakodesh is. Collectively, we're speaking of those who have went through their wilderness experience and have endured his tests and trials by holding on to Elohim. They have born the horn of their parents and forefathers, yet they have their old man, that is their flesh man, in his lust broken down, humbled and deadened. As a result, they are no longer fleshly or worldly, but are now reborn spiritually of the water of the word and of Rock Halkadesh. Within the book of Joshua, we can expect to learn the plan of Elohim concerning the body of Yahushua, i.e. his ecclesia, and those born-again believers that make up spiritual Israel. We'll learn how they're to encounter the kingdom of Elohim, what to expect one's sin, as well as how to perceive one's sin. Another perspective we'll be exploring is that of the land and the inhabitants of the land. How the land of Canaan speaks to the kingdom of Elohim within us and how its inhabitants relate to the remnants of the fallen angels, the demons, devils, and other unclean spirits which currently inhabit the land inherited by the born-again believer. Alright, that said, we left off in Joshua chapter 9, so today we're going to pick it up with chapter 10. In chapter 10... Is as it was with chapter nine. Is about to give me a nice. Only this time, to give a nice need help. So, that's how our first reader started us off by reading Joshua chapter ten, verses one through
1: three, please. Now it came to pass that I, I don't know exactly, the king of Jerusalem had heard how Joshua had taken Ai and had uttered, utterly destroyed it as he had done to the and her king so he had done to Ai and her king and how the inhabitants of Gibeon had made peace with Israel and were among them that they feared greatly because Gibeon was a great city as one of the royal cities and because it was greater than Ai and the men thereof were mighty Therefore Adonizek, King of Jerusalem, sent to Hoham, King of Hebron, and to Peram, King of Yarmuth, and to Yaphiah, King of Lachish, and to Davir, King of Eglon, saying
0: uh, "Hallelujah." Okay, so we're gonna take a look at the meaning of some of these names. Well, guess all of them. You know, so we have Adonazadek. You know, which means Lord of Righteousness, Jerusalem, teaching of Shalom or teaching of peace, you know, and then we have pokum, uh, which speaks to something that Yah impales or something that Yah drives or um, also can speak to something that Yah confounds and it can also speak to a multitude or, you know, crowds or, or multitudes. You know, Hebron speaks to that, um, speaks to communion or association. Now we have Peram, which speaks to something that's like a wild behind or a wild donkey. Then we have Yamuth, means exhausted or high. Yafir, Enlightening, make bright. Laqish, obstinate or hard to capture. The Beer, and the Oracle, Eglon a fine bull, a fine bull calf, i.e., a big and strong bull calf. You know, so here it is, it's speaking about coming to pass that Adonis is king of Jerusalem, hears about, you know, the exploits of Joshua and how Gibeon went into league with him and made peace with him. You know, and so. He got some of the other Amorite kings together and they were planning on going up against Gibeon. You know, because they looked at them as, you know, they they were traitors. You know, and so here it is, you know, you can look at this spiritually in a few different ways. You know, here it is, Gibeon, which you weren't supposed to. Covenant with what you found yourself covenanted with you know out of deceit or trickery or what have you you know However the case you find yourself covenanted to with them, you know, and that can be likened to you know say you come into the faith and You have some covenants in place with some people that aren't if yeah You know say your employer for, for instance, You know, that's the type of covenant a lot of people have when they come into the faith. You know, and so, you know, uh, that covenant is in place, and you know, whether they were tricked into it or what have you, it is there. You know, and Yah um, accepts it. You know, uh, because you had entered into that, and so he, he acknowledges it, and so. Here it is, we have a picture that's similar to that, you know, only thing is, you know, now it's causing trouble, you know, and so sometimes we have people in our lives that we really shouldn't be covenanted with, and they bring trouble into our lives time and time again, you know, and so this is also a picture of something like that. Say you know, it continues on in verses 5 through 9. My next one here, please.
2: Therefore the five kings of the Amorites, the king of Jerusalem, the king of Hebron, the king of Yarmuth, the king of Lashish, the king of Eglon, gathered themselves together and went up. And they, they and all their hosts and encamped before Gibeon and made war against it. And the men of Gibeon sent unto Yahushua to the camp of Gilgal, saying, Slack not thy hand from thy servants. Come up to us quickly, and save us, and help us. For all the kings of the Amorites that dwell in the mountains are gathered together against us. So Yahushua ascended from Gilgal, he and all the people of war with him, and all the mighty men of valor. And Yahuwah said unto yahushua fear them not for i have delivered them into thine hand there shall not a man of them stand before thee yahushua therefore came unto them suddenly and went up from gilgal all night hallelujah
0: okay so here it is we have these Amorite kings these five Amorite kings and they're going up against gibeon you know and the Amorite speaks to the sayers they represent the aristocracy of society. That is, the mountain dwellers, those who are on high. You know, and so they encamp before Gibeon to make make war with them. And so, Gideon sends message a message unto Joshua to, um, and the rest of Israel over in Gilgal. You know, asking them, you know, hey, you know, come save us. You know, they they are ganging up on us. You know, and so Yah tells Joshua, Fear them not, for I have delivered them into thine hand. And you see, so Yah is with them going over there to help Gibeon because they've entered into covenant with him. You know, and so now they have to they have to um, be on the hook for him, so to speak. And so that's something that we need to pay close attention to you know because the covenants that you make in your life Yahweh holds you accountable to them as well mm-hmm. you know so if you go into business with a, with a heathen you know and then the heathen start doing heathenistic things right. you know and bring trouble upon the business you know you are partly the cause of that you know and You know, if they get into, get you into a fight, then you have to fight. You know, you have to stand guard and protect them, you know, even as you would protect yourself because that's what it means to be in covenant with someone, you know, or in league with someone. You know, if uh, you're working a job even and here it is, you're supposed to be doing something and you see, Something go wrong, or or somebody doing wrong, you're expected, you know, to either stop them or go tell someone so that they can be stopped. You're not expected to just ignore it and just keep it moving. And just you know, you know, let, let damage be done. You know, so there's a lot to be learned here as to how you deal with people in your life, you know, who aren't believers. And sometimes we, like I said, we have those covenants with those people and we still have to deal with them. And sometimes they bring trouble into our lives. Verses 10 and 11 goes on to saying, Yahuwah discomfited them before Israel and slew them with a great slaughter at Gibeon and chased them along the way that goeth up up to Beth Haran and smote them to Azekah and unto Makeda. You know, Bepharan speaks to uh, a cavernous house or uh, the house of the cavern. You know, it just speaks to a big cave, basically. You know, Azakah speaks to that which is fenced around or dug over or tealed. And Makadah branding or spotting. You know, it's a branding or spotting place or a place of shepherds. You know, so it's, it's where you would get your spots. A lot of times, shepherds would brand their flock, I mean, you know, or they'll spot them or mark them in some type of way. And so this is the place, this represents the place where that is done. You know, now, verse 11 goes on to say, and it came to pass as they fled from before Israel and were in the going down to Beth Haran that Yahuwah cast down great stones from heaven upon them unto Asakah, and they died. They were more which died of hailstones than they whom the children of Israel slew with the sword. You know, see, this is a perfect example of what I'll be speaking about. Like, people come into the kingdom and they expect Yah to do everything. You know, and they say, well, battle's not mine, it's Yah's, you know, battle is the Lord's, it's not mine, you know. Now, even though Yah promises is to give us the victory, don't think for a minute that you don't have no responsibility in this. Don't think that you don't have to fight. As we're reading about, you know, Joshua and the Israelites, they had to get suited and booted for battle. And they had to go out on the battlefield. They had to literally fight. Now even though Yah helped them, you know, here we see Yah helping them, they still were slaying people with the sword. Now ultimately, on a spiritual um uh in, from a spiritual aspect, the sword speaks to the word of Elohim. And so this is how they're fighting their fights. They're fighting their fights with with the word of Elohim, they're slaying their enemies with the word of Elohim, this is the way that we're to slay our enemies, I don't want nobody going home and ordering those swords off of Amazon, you know,
1: <laughs>
0: it's talking about your word, the word of Elohim, you know, and so like, this is what you're supposed to utilize, you know, against the enemy, your sword is actually your tongue, you know, if you stick it out, it, it's shaped like a sword, you know, and so this is why you see, you know, Yahshua, when he comes comes back, the description in Revelation is that he has a sword coming out of his mouth, mm-hmm. you know, and so, yes, this is how we're to slay the enemy, you know, so don't be, you know, you know, um, ordering nothing from China or Japan, you know, talking about they had nice swords. No, that's not the kind of swords we're talking about, you know. <laughs> All you need is your word. That's all you need is your word, your spiritual sword. Now, Yah slew more with his hailstones than Israel with the sword. So Yah was really fighting with them in this battle. But take note, he was fighting with them. You know, it wasn't that they weren't fighting. See, a lot of people just want to stand on the battlefield and do nothing. And just be like, like, y'all is their their attack um, dog or something, like, sick them, y'all. No. No, you have to enter and engage in the battle as well. Now, here's some pretty big hailstones that came down in some place. You know, uh, But you can imagine if one of these hit you in the head. Well, maybe you can't get a good perspective of how large they are because they're just on the ground. So I had someone pick one up. So you can imagine something like this coming out the sky just hit you in the head. Yeah, it's a wrap. And look how many of them there are. That's enough to kill an army, isn't it? Hence, we're told, Yah slew more than Israel. But look at the beauty and the glory of Yah. It doesn't say any other Israelites got killed with him. You know, Yah has good aim. Hallelujah. (laughs) (laughs)
3: Let
0: me have my next reader read, verses 12 through 16.
4: Then spake Joshua to Yahuwah in the day when Yahuwah delivered up the Amorites before the children of Israel and he said in the sight of Israel, Son, stand thou still upon Gibeon and thou moon in the valley of Ajellah. And the sun stood still. The moon stayed until the people had avenged themselves upon their enemies. is not this written in the book of Joshua. So the sun stood still in the midst of heaven and has it, not to go down about a whole day. And there was a an, and there was no day like that before it or after it, that Yahuwah hearkened unto the voice of man. For Yahuwah fought Israel <clears throat> for for Israel. And Joshua returned and all the and all of Israel with him unto the camp To Gilgah. But these five kings fled and hid themselves in a cave at Makadah?
0: Yes. Mm -hmm. Hallelujah. So here it is. We see um, Joshua actually speaking to Yah, you know, saying, you know, son, Stand thou still. Now, this had to be a magnificent day, right here. I mean, like, you know, he had the sun stand still and take note that it stood still upon Gibeon. You know, and Gibeon, you know, it's, that's interesting because Gibeon, you know, the sun represents light. And so you hear that you had a light, you know. Upon, stand still upon Gibeon. And Gibeon becomes a Levitical city. You know, as time progresses, Gibeon becomes a Levitical city. You know, and the tabernacle of Elohim is placed there. You know, so it, it just uh, goes hand in hand with the light standing still over it and the moon in the valley of Agilon, Agilon speaks to the deer field, place of gazelle or a large stag, you know, and so, yeah. Uh, that was a wondrous day. The sun stood still, the moon stayed, and the people avenged upon their enemies. It says, is it not written in the book of Yahshua or Jasher? Now, I want to forewarn you that this is not talking about the book of Jasher that that we find in today's time, you know, in which there are two, you know, and they're they're diverse from one another. You know, so uh, I do not believe it's speaking about either of those. And the reason I say that is because, you know, I acknowledge the library of uh, the priests, you know, from what was found with the Dead Sea Scrolls and the Zadokite priest that, that they belonged to. And out of approximately a thousand scrolls, there was no book of Jasher. So, I don't think that the one that we have in existence today, or neither of the two that we have in existence today, was one of them. And so there was no day like that before or after it. That Yahuwah hearkened unto the voice of a man. For Yahuwah fought for Israel. And so you have these five kings. They go and hide themselves in a cave in Makedah. Now, this is very significant spiritually speaking. You know it goes on in verses 15 through 17. It says and Joshua returned and all of Israel with him unto the camp to Gilgal. But these five kings fled and hid themselves in a cave at Makedah. And it was told Joshua saying the five kings are found here in the cave at Makedah. Makedah speaks to a place of shepherds. Now remember a king spiritually speaking speaks to truth. So we have five truths. You know and the cave of Macadal speaks to a place of shepherds. So here it is we have, you know, these five these five shepherds. And it was also a spotting place. You know, so he this is where they brand their flock. In other words, this is where they mark their flock. What are they marking them with? They're marking them with their truths, mm-hmm. i.e. their doctrines. Can you see that? You know, and so here it is. Verse eighteen says, and Joshua said, "Roll great stones upon the mouth of the cave, and set men by it for to keep them." You know, and so we, uh, call that the stones can be likened unto people. And the chief characteristic of stones is that they're very resistant to pressure; they're not easily broken, bent, or pierced. So you're talking about rolling great truths. On the mouth of the cave to keep these kings from spotting any more sheeple. From marking them with their truths or doctrines, if you would. Verse 19 goes on to say, And stay ye not, but pursue after your enemies. And smite the high most of them, suffering them not to enter into their cities, for Yahuwah your Elohim have delivered them into your hand. When Yah delivers you from your enemies, you are not to let them get away. You are to thoroughly stump them out. You know, I want to make that clear and I want to I I want everyone to understand this because this is where a lot of Yah's people make the mistake. They make the mistake, Yah gives them victory over their enemies, even go so far as to help them fight, you know, bringing down hailstones, you know, and killing the enemy. You're not to allow any of them to get away. Okay, Pastor Bobadiah? what does that look like in today's time, though? What that looks like is say that, you know, you're having this battle with alcoholism. And YAH has given you the victory. And you haven't had a drink in, say, a whole year. You know, but now you're kind of yearning for it, and so you you're gonna make a deal with your alcoholism. You're gonna say, "Well, I'm only gonna drink casually when I when I when I'm going out and celebrating." You know, when I, whenever I go to a celebration, you know, I will have a drink. If I'm not at a celebration, then I'm not going to have a drink. See, once Yah is giving you the victory, you're supposed to stump them out completely. You're not supposed to enter into covenant with them. You're not supposed to make deals with them. You totally annihilate them. You don't let them come back. No way, form, or fashion. If you see one of them, you kill them on sight. So in other words, when that thought popped into your head about just having a drink casually during celebrations, you should have killed that thought right there on the spot because that's the enemy. You know, so, you know, I use myself as an example. I was a gambler-hollant. And I had a real problem, but then one day y'all gave me the victory over my enemy, and I slayed that giant. Now since then, remnants—you know—I don't know if it's the giant's children or his descendants or what have you—but they're you know from the time that I slew him. I would see, you know, thoughts pop up about gambling. And I would immediately take my sword out and chop them up. Every time I seen one of them little gambling thoughts, I killed it. Till today, I don't have any left. I won't even bet nobody I wake up tomorrow. You know, so, but that's what it looks like folks, that's what it looks like in real life. You know, because everyone has enemies Mm -hmm. within this land. For me it was gambling, for the next person it may be alcoholism, Mm -hmm. for another person it may be crack, for another person it may be heroin, you know, for another person it may be lying, for another person it may be cheating, you know. It can be any vice. You see, you have to understand that the land that the born again believer inherited is their flesh body. When this flesh body, when you're done with it, what does it turn back into? Dust. Well, can't you see that's just land? You know, it's just earth. You know, and so... The enemies are within the land. You know, so you have spiritual enemies and you have physical enemies. You know, some some people enemies just they just they can't stop eating. You know, but there's plenty of enemies, spiritual as well as physical, within the land that have to be killed that has to be eradicated. But the key point that I'm trying to get across today is that when God gives you the victory over you annihilate them. You annihilate them. You don't let any of them remain. You chase them down. Don't let them get back into their cities. When he giving you the victory, you annihilate them. You kill them. You destroy them to the utmost. You know, it spoke about the spotting place, and, and, you know, and scripture speaks about those who are spotted. You know, and so you can get the spiritual picture of what it means to be spotted. Let us consider Jude 1, 8 through 12. It says, likewise also these filthy dreamers defile the flesh. Despise dominion and speak evil of dignities Yet Michael the archangel when contending with the devil He disputed about the body of Moshe Does not bring against him a railing accusation But said "The Adonai rebuked rebuke thee But these speak evil of those things which they know not But they, but what they know naturally as brute beasts In those things they corrupt themselves What they know naturally is brute beasts In those things they corrupt themselves In fleshly natural things, woe unto them, for they have gone in the way of Cain and ran greedily after the error of Balaam for reward and perished in the gainsaying of Korah. These are spots in your feast of charity. When they feast with you, feeding themselves without fear, clouds they are without water, carried about of winds, trees whose fruit withereth, without fruit, twice dead, plucked up by the roots. Mm. Mm. We don't want these in our midst, right? right? But even more so, we don't want those that spot them to be running around in our land. Also, speaking about these spotted ones, you know, 2nd Kephas or 2nd Peter 2.10-15, it says, But chiefly, them that walk after the flesh in the lust of uncleanness and despise government, presumptuous are they, self-willed. They are not afraid to speak evil of dignities, whereas angels, which are greater in power and might, bring not really an accusation against them before the Adonai. Can't you see, like, Jude and Peter saying the same thing? But these are natural brute beasts made to be taken and destroyed, speak evil of the things that they understand not, and shall utterly perish in their own corruption, and shall receive the reward of unrighteousness, as they that count it pleasure to riot in the daytime. Spots they are, blemishes, sporting themselves with their own deceiving. While they feast with you. So hereby we learn what the spots represent. They represent deceivings. Mm -hmm. These spots and blemishes represent their own deceivings. Having eyes full of adultery that cannot cease from sin. Beguiling unstable souls. See they're beguiling unstable souls. They're spotting other folks. They're putting their mark upon them. They're putting their deceivings upon them. And causing them to become deceived. And heart, they have exercised with covetous practices, cursed children which have forsaken the right way and are gone astray, following the way of Balaam, the son of Besor, who loved the wages of unrighteousness. See, they about that money. Any way, shape, or form, you know, you know, they they of that group that say get rich or die trying. Wages of unrighteousness Deuteronomy also Deuteronomy 32, 1-6 through 6. Give ear, O ye heavens, and I will speak And hear, O earth, the words of my mouth My doctrine shall drop as the rain My speech shall distill as the dew As small as the small rain upon the tender herb As the shower upon the grass Because I will publish the name of Yahuwah Ascribe ye greatness unto our Elohim He is the rock, his work is perfect. For all his ways are judgmental, Elohim of truth, and without iniquity, just and right is he. They have corrupted themselves, their spot is not the spot of his children. They are a perverse and crooked generation. Do ye thus requite, Yahweh, foolish people and unwise? Is not he thy father which hath brought thee? Have he not made thee and established thee? course he has. They have no win. You know, so we're going to stay on the side of the victorious ones, right? Let me have my next reader read, Joshua 10, 20 through 26.
3: And it came to pass when Joshua and the children of Israel had made an end of slaying them with a very great slaughter, <clears throat> till they were consumed that the rest which remained of them entired in entered into in, 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 in cities. And all the people and all the people returned to the camp to Joshua at Mekada in peace. None move his tongue against any of the children of Israel. Then said Joshua, open the mouth of the cave and bring out those five kings unto me out of the cave. And they did so and brought forth those five kings unto him out of the cave. The king of Jerusalem, the king of Hebron, the king of Jarmuth, the king of La... La-, La- and the king of Egon. And it came to pass when they brought out those kings unto Joshua, that Joshua called for old men of Israel and said unto the captains of the men of the war, which went with him, come near, put your feet upon the necks of these kings. And they came near and put their feet upon the necks of them. And Joshua said unto them, fear not, nor be dismayed. Be strong in of good courage, for thus shall Yahuwah do to all your enemies against whom ye fight. And afterward Joshua smote them and slew, slew them, slay them, and hanged them on five trees, and they were hanging upon the trees until the evening.
0: Hallelujah. So you see, it doesn't matter what our enemy is, we're promised the victory. It doesn't matter what you may be battling, we're promised the victory. See, even as Yah made for them to bring them kings out and put their foots on their necks, so will we put the foots on the necks of our enemies. So will whatever we're battling with in our flesh. Or whatever we're battling with in our in our heart or mind. Whatever the enemy is. If we are rolling with Yahshua. Right. Be strong and of good courage. Because he will cause us to put our feet upon the neck of our enemies. And we shall slay them. All we have to do <coughs> is... Follow Yahshua and stay on the battlefield. When it's time to fight, you have to fight. You can't be sitting on your hands when it's time to fight. You can't be saying, get him, Yah. You know, Yah, he'll fight with you. But he don't always fight for you. You know, sometimes he will, sometimes he won't. How you going to know unless you get out there? You know, so I just want to encourage everybody, no matter what you may be going through, no matter what the situation or the circumstance is, you just keep following Yahshua, and you too will find your foot on the, your enemy's neck. You know, and when y'all give you the victory over them, you make certain you annihilate them. You make certain that if any of their followers pop up, you know, afterwards, after you don't kill the king, you go and track them down and you... Annihilate them too And then that's how we take the land You know, little by little Enemy by enemy As they rise up against us We take them down We put our foots on their necks Hallelujah